yeah, I, I don't know. I just want to encourage you to like revisit them every once in a while, just because I think there is, especially with when when we believe that the Lord is kind of growing us up and training us up in who He is and what He wants to do with our lives. There's things that are highlighted and pulled out differently. Like, I didn't, I wasn't fully aware that there was a dove released in the Noah's Ark story and what that actually symbolizes for us today. Um, of that, there was one window that, that uh, Noah built on this boat, and that dove flew out, and it came back, and it was, it's like this kind of foreshadowing of who Holy Spirit is. It's like He's sent out before us to remind us if, uh, or to. Uh, kind of tell us when it's good <laughs> you know and he can't when the dove came back with the uh, olive branch it was like okay we're close we're close to having and inhabiting the land again instead of floating around on this boat um so there's just kind of these like hidden kind of undertones in these old stories like genesis 3 um when uh i've been i've been studying some of these so just bear with me as i kick this thing off and kind of get my rhythm here uh, Genesis 3, he was talking to, uh, the Lord was talking to the serpent and talks about the bruised heel that the serpent's going to be squashed under. And it was a foreshadowing of the bruising of Jesus to squash all demonic activity. And just like stuff like that, that kind of hits you in the face of like, whoa. I read that when I was like five, if, before I could read, I think. I don't know. I don't know any of that stuff. I don't remember when I started reading. But like, you get what I'm saying? So tonight I want to talk about Samson. Um, and I think often we just think of, oh, Samson was a strong man with the long hair, kind of like Hercules, and did what he wanted. And then this stupid woman came in and ta-da, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? But there's actually a lot that happened in Samson's life. And there's a lot of things that I didn't know about Samson until I really dipped my toes in this pool. So that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. Is that cool? And again, this message, I, I'm calling it the anointing and the vow. And I always grab my drink and then forget to drink it. And I think it's really interesting, kind of, his entire life and who he was really set out to be, not just what he did. Um, and, yeah, I guess that's what I want to talk about. Is that cool? So I'm going to try to do this, this little mixture of a little bit of heady stuff and then also application kind of stuff if I can just so that we kind of get a full picture of what the Lord's trying to tell us and why this story was captured right my one of my biggest frustrations with scripture is like okay why was something why were some things captured in like super super detailed but then there was other things that are barely talked about Man, I, I want to know about all the conversations that Jesus was having. I don't really care about some of the other stuff, you know. I'm sure there's seasons and all that kind of stuff in my life. But there's a purpose of why this was captured in Scripture. And that's kind of what I, essentially what I want to get into um, tonight. And if I'm moving too fast, please interrupt me and say, hey, take a breath. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about this. And, um, and I believe that this revolution, this this truth is going to be revolutionary for us tonight. Okay? And again, I don't want to just preach for the sake of preaching. I actually feel like this is anointed. Cool? You with me? Okay. How many of you have made a vow or a promise to someone, big or small? Right? I've all made vows. I've made a vow with Madison. <laughs> She's looking at me blankly like, maybe not. I don't know. There's, there's something to a vow. There's something to a promise, right? What does it take to make that agreement? A level of trust to that person or to that thing, yes? 
takes trust, takes a certain amount of faith in that person to make that agreement. What does it take to break that agreement? Anybody know? Compromise. Yes? Oh, there he is. Hey, welcome. What? Every every night. <laughs> Come on in. No. It's okay. We literally just sat down. We've been kind of chatting. So you're good. Um, so what does it take to break that agreement? A level of compromise. What does it feel like when that agreement's broken? Or when maybe when you break it? Yeah, heartache, a guilt, maybe a shame, all these kinds of things. Yes? And what does it feel like some, when somebody else breaks that agreement that you've made with them? Well, you feel let down, disappointed, right? There's something in you of like, okay, I've just lost a level of trust. I've lost a level of faith in that person, that place, or that thing, whatever. How many of you have played with fire? Yeah, I have. Maybe too much. Benji has probably played with a lot of fire. Not real fire, mostly metaphorical fire. Yeah. Yeah. I believe um, a lot of Christians do. Not, and I'm going to use metaphorical fire, okay? I believe a lot of people do, and frankly, a lot of Christians do. This playing with fire is maybe, maybe you've called it boundaries. <laughs> Where am I placing my boundaries? Yes, everybody's put like a boundary on a relationship or, okay, I will, I will go up until this point, and then I'll call it sin, right? We put these boundaries in place, especially when, when you're dating or when you're doing this, that, or the other. We put these parameters in place so that, okay, I'm going to, how far can I take it? It's maybe a better way of saying it, right? Not, oh, how, how can I keep myself pure and protect myself? No, how far can I take it before it's truly diving over, right? Oh, well, well I'm cool with kissing. Well, then that boundary pushes. I'm cool with making out. Okay, then that boundary pushes. And you get the theme, yes? We all have these things that we are putting limitations on and we're trying to, and maybe not in the best sense, push those boundaries until, uh-oh, I've kind of went too far. Yes? Does that make sense? We've, we've put, we put these parameters and we call it holy when it's actually I'm pushing the limits of what the Lord allows me to say and what he allows me to do. Yes? Yes? I, I did it when I was dating. <laughs> I would push limits and push boundaries over and over and over again. I'd do it when I was dipping my toes into uh, drugs. I did it a bunch in that, yeah, because I was I was doing drugs. I, I would push I would push these boundaries. It started off as weed, the gateway drug that everybody hates, you know, and then it started doing all the other stuff. And I, you know, it it, it went wild places. I was like, oh well, this isn't that bad. <laughs> I'm still who I am, right? I did it with drinking, like okay, I can do two shots is my limit. Well, then it got. To, more, 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 until I was like, whoa, I got to do something with this. I did it with women, I, I, all of this stuff, yes? That's playing with fire in my eyes, right? I remember when I was a kid, I, I, I first like learned fire, and I was like, okay, this is kind of scary. It's pretty intimidating. I burnt myself, and I was like, well, all right, how much bigger can I make this fire? Well, how much bigger can I make this fire now? You know, all of these things until I'm like burning holes in my parents' carpet because that's the kind of kid that I was, right? And I get to those places and then it got, you know, whatever. All of that kind of stuff. We're putting these boundaries and how far can I take this until I lose myself? Yes. 
that's what we're doing. And I believe that this is the same thing that Samson did. So he was pushing his boundaries. How far can I take this? Um, and it always is, it, at the root of it is a compromised spirit, right? It's, okay, I, I'm, I'm cool with compromising this, so then I'll take it to the next level, and then I'll compromise again, right? I get familiar, I want more. It's how we're designed. You guys realize that? We're designed to want the next level, to want the next thing, right? We've all experienced this. Good, bad, or ugly, right? We're designed this way because that's the way the, that's the, way the Lord works. He's not going to just all of a sudden take us into the take us into glory, all of glory, right? He's going to say, "No, I'm going to give you milk first, and then we're going to work our way up to meat." Right? We're designed this way so that we have a longing for Him. That's the finely tuned one. When we're using it, using that same kind of pursuit, it turns ugly. Does that make sense? Just with me? Okay. This can happen in all things if we're not in a healthy standing with the Lord and his truth. What, what happens when we're in a healthy standing in a truly, in a truly submitted relationship to the king is we, we, get, we are entrusted with an anointing and with a blessing from him. That's, what, that's, that's the beauty of this relationship that we can have with the king, right? We can't religion our way into anointing. We can't religion our way into the next thing, right? It's actually an entrustment. It's a vow. It's like, okay, I trust Madison in this area of my life, so therefore there's going to be a deeper connection, right? That's, it's the same kind of language when we talk about the Lord, right? If he trusts me and I trust him, there's going to be a, a certain level of, okay, here, of passing something, right? Now, if I'm, if I'm good with, if I, how do I say this? If I, ah, what's the word? If I am responsible with the small, he's going to entrust me with the big. It's this progression, right? We see it in David's life, right? It's Frankly, that's a perfect one. We see it in David's life where he fights off, protects his sheep in the private, and then he gets, he gets this huge calling and this huge anointing for the, his public ministry as king, right? We have to protect our private so that we can be entrusted with our public. We usually think of it the other way. Well, I've got to put on this display for Benji so that he, <laughs> you get it, right? Does that make sense with me? Okay. When we're in healthy relationship with him, we get to operate in his favor, and then we are deemed sacred in his eyes. There's an anointing that we're entrusted with. There's a, there's a favor that we're entrusted with, that we're blessed with when we are in good standing with him. Yes? The sad thing is when we, when we frankly blatantly oppose his truth, there's almost like a lifting of his hand over our, of, of the Lord's hand over our lives. When we know that we're going in opposition of him, and we see this in, in 1 Samuel 15 with, when God withdrew the anointing from King Saul. Is everybody familiar with this? When he withdrew his anointing from King Saul, due to the way he was behaving, that he knew what he was supposed to do, but did the opposite. Yes? In 1 Samuel 15, 11, it says, I regret that I have made Saul king. This is the Lord talking. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned his back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Whoa. Can you imagine that being said about you? 
from person, but most importantly, from God Almighty. Oh man, that would be like that's shattering to me. That would that would really throw me on my heels. And then, what's cool is uh, David then gets that same anointing, and we see how serious David took it in Psalm fifty-one. Right? He said, and this is kind of funny because Alex kind of spoke on this this morning, and I feel like I'm ripping her off, but I had this written way before I knew what she was talking about. In Psalm 51, nine ver, uh, 51, verses 9 through 12, it says, Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. It's beautiful, yes? That was David's response to his blatant sin. There was a repentance attached to it. We are all going to fall short of the glory of God. Yes, that's what Scripture promises us. Uh, it's, it's a tragedy, um, but what are we going to do? Are, are we going to repent? Are we going to forgive? Are we going to forgive ourselves? What are we going to do? Or are we going to fall right back in love with him and say, no, 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 okay, I won't do it again. I need you, Lord. Okay? How many know when we sin, we lose sight of what Jesus has done for us? That's the root of it all. So when I sin, I know I've lost sight of what Jesus has actually done for me. I've taken advantage of what he's done for me. The moment we become numb to truth is the same moment we begin to compromise and lose our guardrails. Yes? We have to protect, we have to protect ourselves from this reality. So turn to Judges 13. We're going to get into the Word. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Samson. Cool? And let's make this a little bit more conversational tonight. So... Feel free to interject, okay? You won't offend me? Benji, just behave, okay? Judges 13. So, story of Samson, and I, like I was saying at the beginning, I just kind of recently reread this, and uh, I kind of had a VeggieTales look on it, and now I kind of have a deeper... I don't know, kind of viewpoint of it, more of a, more of a view on it. And his, Samson's life is covered in Judges, it starts in Judges 13 and then ends pretty abruptly in chapter 16. Um, and we'll kind of go, I'm going to try to cover it all. We're not going to read all of it, um, just because you can read on your own time. Um, but I want to highlight a couple kind of interesting things in the way this was written, because <laughs> there's just kind of some weird, like, language in this um and uh hopefully pull something out so that we can we can be more like the lord cool so i'm going to read verses three and five to kick this off and um i would encourage you to read it on your own later okay judges 13 verses three through five it says and an angel of the lord appeared to the woman and said to her which is first pretty interesting an angel appeared to the mom of samson that's what's happening here, okay? The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren, and you have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for, uh, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Okay, so I want to kind of highlight three things here. First being, 
a be Samson is the beginning of a deliverance of the Philistines. Okay, this is kind of big. All right, this is not just like oh cool, that's an Old Testament. Uh, Goliath was the Philistine that I remember. Yippee! This was kind of a big moment because sometimes we think we are privileged to see the full work of what the Lord has called us into. How many of you know that we're not guaranteed to see the entire work that he has planned out? Even Moses wasn't guaranteed that. He died before he got to see the promised land, right? He didn't get to go in. What a tragedy. What? Huh? Did he actually? He didn't get to go in. No. There you go. <laughs> Sucks for him, right? Yeah, cause, yeah, he struck the rock and the Lord said, nope, you're not, you're not deemed worthy to enter into the promised land anymore. Yeah, thanks, Benji. Um, so a lot of the times we just, we're so arrogant and almost prideful that we think, oh, well, he's going to start a work in me and then he's going to bring it to completion through me. <laughs> like, well, I'm not guaranteed to see the full work. I'm not going to get to see the guaranteed full work of what I'm downloading into my son today because he's going to live longer than me, right? And then he's going to pass it down to the next generation, to the next generation. That's the way we should be looking at things, yes? We should be looking at things of, okay, how am I supposed to carry it properly so that I can pass it off to the next, right? Yes? There's some things. There's some things that we will get to see until completion, right? Most of our purposes and destinies are actually all intertwined, so we won't get to see their full completion. And that's just the way it is, and we need to be okay with that, because we're, we're only a little part of the story. We're not that big of a deal. Some of us think we're a big deal. We're not, okay? Um, and for kind of timeline's sake, this all happened before David slayed Goliath. Okay, if we're looking at the timeline, this all happened before David slayed Goliath. Okay, so Samson started this pursuit against the Philistines so that all of these other people could fulfill their purposes. And all, do you get it? Like, kind of cool. Goliath didn't get slain until, I don't know, about 400 years after Samson died. 400 years. Which, yeah, was maybe a little bit different back then. Sure, they lived longer. I don't care. Okay? We say, oh, well, they had much longer to live, so they could be way more obedient. Nah, that's kind of bullcrap. Gives you more opportunity to sin. Israelites were delivered from the Philistines in about 604 BC, according to some much smaller, smarter people than I am. Samson died in 1000. And we have to keep in mind that BC counts backwards. Okay? It counts to Christ, not, not the way we count today. Yes? Okay, good. If the Lord calls us to something, then we are to be obedient and not ask how long. Even if we don't see it all the way to finalization. Okay? Or else Jesus would still be alive today. He didn't get to see it to, to completion. Yeah, maybe he's watching from afar, sure. But he didn't get to see it to completion. He was obedient in what he was called to and then said, nope, Holy Spirit, the better one's coming. It's better that I go, right? You're going to do greater works than I. That kind of language is used by Jesus, which is mind-blowing to me. Yes? Should be mind-blowing to you. It's like, Jesus said that? He raised some people from the dead. I haven't done that yet. Okay? So that's kind of point one. He was the beginning of something. He didn't see it to completion. Okay? He definitely stirred the pot, though, which we'll talk about. 
The second thing I want to pull out of these couple verses is when there is a calling on your life, other people are impacted and have to be obedient in their purposes as well. How many of you have been on, on fire for the Lord and then told somebody about it and they were just like, yeah, cool, dude, and super dismissive? It sucks. It rips. <laughs> I hate it. But it's a reality because you can say yes, but man, when you confront them to say yes, <laughs> they still have an option too, right? <laughs> and let me explain this. We see that the mom has a responsibility in this, right? She can't just be reckless. Well, who's she carrying? Somebody pretty important. Yes? Obviously it has to be important because I know that my mom wasn't visited by an angel. <laughs> I was the angel. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. My mom was not visited by an angel to say, hey, your son is going to be something else. Maybe she was. I don't know. She didn't tell me about it. Or she probably wasn't listening. Sorry, Mom. Um, I love her. Uh, but you get it. He was obviously important. Important people <laughs> came and were prophesied about by the angelic, not by people. Kind of cool. Yes? Okay. So she had a responsibility in this. And she had a yes to offer. Right? Or a choice to offer maybe is the better, better, better uh, way of saying that. She was obviously carrying somebody very important named Samson, and she had a responsibility to not drink, not have anything of wine, strong drink, anything like that, or anything unclean. Right? That was her responsibility. That was her obedience in Samson's fruition of being a Nazarite, which we'll talk about in a second. Okay? You still with me? The beautiful part of being in the body of Christ is that your, in, your actions actually impact my reputation and my actions impact your reputation. Frustrating. <laughs> it is. Because people call themselves Christians and I'm like, frick. <laughs> yep. Now my, my friends are going to view me that way. And I'm going to have to answer to what so-and-so is doing and what so-and-so is promoting politically and all of these kinds of things. I'm like, all right, now they're affiliating that with me. You get it. You went through it. You all are nodding. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. I, yeah, that person's prophetic word made me look like an idiot, right? All of those kinds of things, we see it all the time. We understand the impact that it can make on my reputation and on your reputation, right? I could fly off the handle tomorrow, and I could impact the entire Encounter Church name. Why? Because I'm a pastor here. And it could actually cause a lot of issue. Yes? Any of you guys could cause a lot of issue in the, uh, and damage the Christian name. We all have a responsibility that we're carrying, right? As the bride, we all have a responsibility, okay? Stop it. <laughs> Behave, I said. In a very real sense, the mom and Samson are connected. Obviously, Samson's in her, but they were connected, yes? They were, their purposes were connected, maybe is a better way of saying it, okay? The mom, if the mom drank, his vow to the Lord would have been null and void at that point. And Samson would have never been able to take on the full Nazarite vow, which I'll talk about in a second. If she ate something unclean, his vow would have been demolished right then and there because that would have voided the Nazarite vow. Does this make sense? If the mom said, your hair looks like crap, Samson, I need you to cut it when he was five years old. Null and void, right? You get all this? We have a responsibility. 
And her responsibility maybe maybe pretty simple on paper. <laughs> but maybe, gosh, what was actually taking place? What were people saying? Maybe she had a painful birth and, you know, the way they, they, they went through birth was giving them a little bit of wine to get through the pain. Right? But she said no. You get this. So what I'm getting at is if you are disobedient in your calling, I may not be able to have full effect in my calling. And that kind of sucks because I'm like kind of dependent on you. And you're dependent on me. Right? But both of us should be dependent on the Lord. And that's where it all kind of comes into this beautiful little bow is, okay, if, we're, if you're focused on the Lord and I'm focused on the Lord, our purposes are going to be made known and be made pronounced. Yes? Making sense? Okay. We all have equal purposes and equal callings. Just because somebody maybe is on the platform doesn't make them more important. Did you hear me? Just because somebody is on the platform does not make them more important. Just because they have a brand does not make them any more important than you are just being obedient to what the Lord's calling you to. I really want you to hear that. Who cares that you're listening to me talk tonight? Nobody cares. Unless I have something to offer that I really believe is from the Lord and that you are entrusting me with. Yes? I could give any empty sermon tonight. And I couldn't have spent hours on this message <laughs> preparing for it so that I make sure that I'm not leading you astray. I could bring any message. I've got hundreds of them. Right? Do you get my point? Sometimes we just say, oh, that person's on stage, so I need to just trust them. <laughs> no, you need to weigh them. They're just doing their best to hopefully be obedient to their calling, but hey, you have an equal responsibility. Does this make sense? Okay. Third and last. Samson's calling, his anointing, and his vow are all made clear in just this one visitation from this angel. Okay? Pretty cool. Samson was born into a Nazarite vow, it says in verse 5. He's to be a Nazarite. Yes? Anybody ever heard of this vow? Do you know what it is? Kind of? Yeah, and it's pretty. That's pretty much it. I mean, if he was, yes, good. It's pretty straightforward because the angel kind of downloads it straight to her. But if you want to read more about it, it's in number six. Okay, just for all it's worth, and it's really interesting. There's kind of the, and I like the way it reads because it's all bullet points and it's just easier to read. But some of these Nazarite vows would be a lifelong vow, which in Samson's case was true. Others were just kind of time in, oh, okay. Others were in for like a time and a, and a season or for a specific anointing that they were going after, okay? And a lot of number six, like I think it's 10 to 21, it talks about uh, how to, how to um, affirm your vow and almost like finalize your vow. Six, one through Yeah, one through 21, yep, is the full thing. But... This vow was taken on as showing your dedication to the Lord. It was showing that you were offering yourself to be set apart and that you were going to take on a kind of a full-on devotion of life to the Lord. Okay? And then, yeah, in some case, you might call this extreme, and that's fine. But this was actually very normal for, for this time period. Okay? So here's what you were supposed to not do. You were not supposed to cut your hair or beard. Okay? at all never not even trim trim okay just straight up let it grow okay so yeah you can picture what that looked like 
and it was obvious, right? You, you were, when walking around, you could tell who the Nazarites were, right? Okay, so no cutting of hair or beard. Let the unibrow grow, right? Just checking if you're listening. Don't drink wine or any other strong drink. You're not to drink vinegar, of all things, okay? Um, not eat anything of grape or grape or seed or any of the skin of the grape. Um, and uh, not to touch a dead body or go near a dead body. Which don't know why you're touching dead bodies, but just don't, don't touch them, right? Okay? So, I, yeah. And it, no, just humans. Yeah, thanks. Sorry. No, no, that's a good question. Um, and in number six, it's kind of interesting because it's like, it talks about if somebody dies while you're walking down the street. Dude just drops dead. You're just like supposed to, a way of how to like reconcile that. And you got to find a, a lamb's shoulder to sacrifice and all sorts of weird stuff. So it's kind of an interesting read. Uh, yeah. Very interesting. I, I, I guess it was common for people just to drop dead next to you. But. So Samson's anointing was tied up in this vow to the Lord. Okay. What we have to understand is that when we take a vow to the Lord, or when we join covenant with the Lord, we're, we're, we're signing up for an anointing to be birthed into our life if we're obedient in it, right? You can't just say, oh yeah, I'm submitted to you, king, <laughs> and then expect that he's just going to give you words of knowledge galore and just that you're going to have this pronounced healing ministry and that you're going to start a YouTube channel on how to be a, prophet a prophetic, you know, all of this kind of stuff, right? There's a dedication that takes place. There's a training that takes place. Samson's anointing just didn't say, didn't just, he wasn't just lucky. <laughs> he also had to devote himself. He also had to buy into this vow, right? How many of you know, when you were born into a Christian home, you still got to decide? Yes? Samson still had to decide his yes. Maybe it was a little bit more pronounced and hey, mom had to remind him that, hey, an angel told me about you, <laughs> you know? But you get the point, right? And it's actually a cool read in, in chapter 13. The mom of Samson actually asks and actually starts praying to the Lord and says, what am I supposed to do with this kid? This is big. Can you tell me how to do what I'm supposed to do? And the angel then comes back and starts talking to her again. Kind of a cool moment, um, which I've really never really focused on. Okay? So needless to say, great potential as an unborn baby to walk in an obedience to the Lord. And we have to learn how to do that. He wasn't just born into it. He had to learn it. Yes? Okay. Samson was born into a vow to the Lord, and that was all he knew. And frankly, this is my goal with Miller. Not to brainwash him, okay? <laughs> Hear me. I don't want to brainwash him, but I want to raise him up well so that it's normal and that I, I'm not hiding anything from him. Me and Madison have been talking about, okay, when do we, when do we introduce him to this, this, and this in the spirit? Well, Today. Right? It might just sound a little bit different, might look a little different, but I don't want to call something milk that's not milk. I still want to give him milk that's full truth, right? Yes? Just like you guys will understand when you have not as cool kids as mine, but yeah. But Miller does need a haircut, so it is pretty awesome. Everybody thinks he's a girl, which is bullcrap. He looks full boy. I mean, 
I almost said a really inappropriate joke. But I want I want Miller to know, and I want frankly I want you guys to know that the God that you know is a fully saturating encountering God, not just a God that you learned about and that was exciting when you first found out about him, but that's still exciting today. That's still really real today. Okay. Um, let me read verses 24 and 25 in chapter 13, because this is cool. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him at the camp of David between Zorah and Eshtal. Or a, a camp of Dan, sorry. I want you to really hear this. I have a strong belief that what we went through yesterday is our ministry for tomorrow. Okay? My past has marked me and over and over and over again, little Lexes have come back into my life who have need ministered to. Does that make sense? You guys have probably seen the same pattern if you're setting yourself up for this. But I see the same Lex come to me, whether it was at previous churches, here, whatever it might be. There's previous Lexes that still walk into my life and say, all right, I'm a lost 20-something-year-old. I've got no idea who I am. Help me out. Right? Have you guys seen this pattern in your life? Yeah? It's crazy how it works. What I went through yesterday is my ministry for tomorrow. Okay? And we don't, we need to not take that lightly. A lot of us, a, a lot of the church has told us, oh, forget your past, move on from it, doesn't mark you anymore. Actually, I learned a lot about how to do ministry because I saw the way the Lord led me out of what I was doing. <laughs> right? I didn't go to seminary. I didn't go, uh, I'm not a count, certified counselor. I didn't do any of that stuff. I've just seen and watched the Lord do a work in my life, and he keeps on bringing those kinds of people to me so that I can minister to them. It's beautiful. A couple things I want to highlight. Samson's tribe of Dan. Okay, we read it in verse 24. Remember this? Or it says, I don't know how to say that word, mene. What is it? No. No. Mehene. In verse 25. Mene. No, I'm not speaking in tongues. <laughs> what? I know what it translates to. I just don't know how to say it. Manehe. Mahana. Moana. <laughs> yep, not educated. See? Do you see it? All right, but it means the tribe of. Okay? The tribe of Dan. Okay? So talking about this tribe or camp of Dan, this was an unconquered land at the time. Okay? This was right on the kind of border of when, where Israelites and Philistines would kind of meet. Samson was hanging out in this growing up. Okay? Obviously, a man made for battle. Yeah? He wasn't messing around. And if you know anything about Samson, he was... A, he was strong okay he was ready to fight and to contend things yes okay so this is where he kind of hung out samson growing up was uh, it was in his with this warlike tribe and longed for a permanent and settled territory for the israelites and that's where they were stationed this is where he was hanging out this is how he grew up this was his yesterday you with me okay his visits of the tribal army camp stirred his heart 
and I believe that the Holy Spirit began preparing him for his role as the beginning of the, de of the deliverance for the Israelites. Okay? You guys are kind of looking at me blankly. Have you ever been in moments where your heart is kind of just moved and you're like stirred up? You've walked into a room or walked into a setting or into a place where you're just like, all right, I could do this. <laughs> right? Well, Ben, yeah. Benji, maybe not you. <laughs> He's still looking for it. <laughs> right? You get it? Maybe these are the places that the Lord is trying to take you into, that he's unleashing you into, and saying, hey, this is, the, this is what I kind of have purposed for you, right? He's not going to just, he's not going to call Keelan, who has nothing to do with a dance, has nothing to do with dance at all, to be a dancer. That'd be really weird. I would not want to see Keelan doing that, <laughs> right? But he will call Allie into that, because she has a heart for it. She has a passion for it. He'll call Keelan into something else. You get it? He's, there's a stirring that takes place, right? When you are where you're supposed to be. And it might not be at that moment, at that exact time. But I want you to mark those spots as you start feeling them in the future. Like, maybe the Lord's calling me into this. Huh, interesting. Well, I saw that video on YouTube, and maybe that's actually marking me and doing something in my spirit, because that's what the Lord has marked me for and purposed me for and destined me for. Yes? Okay. God uses a variety of things to develop and prepare us. He uses our hereditary traits, our environmental influences, and our personal experiences. He does. Obviously tied with his truth, okay? Don't, I'm not the heretic, okay? They're all tied up, but there's there's things, you know, I like, I love the game of golf. I do. When I walk out of the golf course, it's heaven on earth. Until I hit a bad shot, then it's hell on earth. But you get it, right? It's like there's something that happens in my spirit. Like, wow, this is beautiful. Like, I get to just be out here and I just get to be with him. And it's wonderful, right? You get it? There's places that he stirred on my heart, right? Okay. We have to work at being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and his leadings and his tasks that he is highlighting to us. Our paths are more useful than we could ever imagine. And I don't want us to discount them anymore. I don't want to resort back to them at all. But I want us to remember them because they're marking us for tomorrow. Okay? Making sense? Still with me? Okay. So now, Samson, he's grown up, and we fast forward to chapter 14. He's strong. He's working in his anointing. And there's four, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably just talk about the three tonight. There's three things that he does before his whole entire life changes. And he flips the world upside down, or at least the Philistine army, okay? And he starts doing these actions, and I want to talk about three of them, okay? Judges 4, uh, 14, 5 through 11 is the first one, and I'm going to call it the honey lion. And if you kind of picture this with me, it's almost like a, almost like episode, episode one, the honey lion. You know? All right, whatever. That's just how I was picturing it. Okay. <laughs> So read it on your own time. I don't need to read it to you, okay? You guys can read. Yes? Okay, good job. Or just put an audiobook on you can't read. Judges 14, 5 through 11 is the Honey Lion episode, okay? And what takes place is 
Samson looks at this woman and says, I like her. She's pretty. I think she's, she should marry me. And yes, it's that blunt, okay? It's like, she looks good to me, is the verbiage that, it's, that is used in the NASAB. It's like, all right, that's super weird. She just looks good to me, and I'm going to kill things for her, okay? Um, so that's exactly what he does. And that's what I did for Madison. No, I had to work a lot harder. That's true. You know, Madison actually asked me on our first date. Yep. <laughs> Worked. All right, so verse six. <laughs> verse six, it reads, the spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. Okay? What's happening here is a lion starts going after Samson. A young lion, it says. Going after Samson, trying to kill him. And what's Samson do? rips it in half okay yeah that's believable I guess it happened right because he came back he killed this lion and he came back nobody knew about it mother and father didn't know about it all of them didn't know about it he comes back and he sees that there's uh, the uh, the bees have taken over the lion's body and he scoops out honey and starts eating the honey weird what I want to highlight. <laughs> it's like, where is he going? This must be, yeah. What I want to highlight is the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. How many of you know that you can't kill a lion with your bare hands? Okay. <laughs> Good point. But the Lord can. Yes? Okay? And I know, it's like, okay, when am I ever going to have to come into this situation? There are stories of the zoo where the lions get out. I'm just joking. <laughs> She's like, this dude's all right. But he got some honey, right? Who, anybody like honey? Like, I love honey. I want bees, dude. I want bees in my backyard. So I can just go out and scoop honey for myself. But he scoops this honey, and he enjoys the Lord's blessing of this honey, right? Because he's a Nazarite. And how many of you know that John the Baptist came out with locust honey all in his beard and looking all sorts of funky. They liked honey as Nazarites, okay? So this was kind of a cool, you know, yeah, all right, you get it. So that's the first thing. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. Mightily is pretty cool, right? Enough to kill a lion, a young lion, not an old lion, a young lion, okay? So then the second kind of power display that Samson, we get to see, is in Judges 14, 12 through 20. Okay, write it down. You can read it later. Okay. And this was another interesting, like, all right, why is he doing this? And this episode is called Cheating on a Riddle at a Wedding Feast. What? <laughs> Straight up. I'm not making it up. Samson gives this riddle and says he invite. there's 30 people that he invites to his wedding feast. Remember, because he has this lady who he wants to wire who is looking good to Samson. And literally it says that. She looked good to Samson. There's a wedding feast. He invites 30 companions over. And what happens? He says a riddle. And if they can solve the riddle, then they get 30 pieces of linen, 30 pieces of clothing from Samson. If they can't solve the riddle, they give the 30 pieces of linen to Samson. A little interesting here of why the, why the Spirit of the Lord would come mightily upon Samson for this motive and for this objective. But what takes place in this is he gives the riddle. Let me, let me read you the riddle. Um, 
Is it? Fourteen. She's Kylie trying to mess me. Sorry. Are you kidding me? I was don't be too far Oh my ahead, gosh. Okay? Alright. Well, good thing I didn't trust you. <laughs> Just joking. I would have disappointed you. Uh-oh, yikes. Alright, verse 14. Uh-oh. Ah, oh, frick, it happened, Benji. Dude, I told you to spell it. Dang it, dude. <laughs> Whatever. I'm telling you, just put a bunch of two-by-fours around it and throw, like, two coats of epoxy in. I'll even buy you the epoxy. No, you will not. Jeez. All right, so here's the riddle. Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Dude, this is in the Bible. What's he talking about? He's talking about the lion and the honey, right? So he's giving this riddle kind of like, hey, guess what I did, guys? If you can solve this riddle, I'll tell you what I did, right? And it's kind of funny, um, obviously, because we all laughed and we giggled. Oh, frick, dude, get this. <laughs> all right, whatever. Yeah, that's because I'm sitting. All right. So what happens? He gives this riddle and says, all right, you got some time to figure this out. And so the, the people go to his wife or his soon-to-be wife, his engaged wife. Fiance. Fiance wife. Okay. <laughs> so stupid. Um, I'm so immature, dude. So the people go, I'm going to get the giggles. So the people, stop. So the, it's just silly goose time. Here we go. A uh, frick. All right. So he gives this riddle, 30 people, got some time to figure it out. And then they go to the soon-to-be wife, engaged wife, and, and they say what? Tell us to solve. We don't want to lose our linen. I know, but it just doesn't make any sense. We don't want to lose it. So they, they, <laughs> they press the wife, press the wife, press the wife until she's like, all right, I'll just tell you. Here it is. Here's the answer. It's the lion, blah, blah, blah. He killed a lion. It was cool. Look at the man I'm about to marry. Right. Normal stuff you do before a wedding. So he, he, catches, he catches on, verse 18, Kylie. Verse 18, he said, uh, they give the Saul. And then he says, if you have not plowed with my heifer, you would have not known the riddle. What? He's calling his engaged wife a heifer? <laughs> this is super weird, right? <laughs> what this means, God, what this means is if he had not manipulated, if you had not ma manipulated my wife, you would not know the answer. Okay? So then what's he do? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And then he kills the third. <coughs> did you hear me? Or did Kylie's cough cover that up? <laughs> he kills them. Straight up with his bare hands. Just like, all right, you're done, you're done, you're done, you're done. Kills them. Spirit of the Lord was on him. Super confusing. And then this engaged wife runs off with one of his friends. Yeah. I know. And that takes us to episode three. <laughs> the You're not going to believe it. The job <laughs> the jawbone of a donkey kills a thousand. That's episode three. 
super weird. So the woman that he was about to marry at this wedding feast runs off with the best, with one, not his best friend, with a friend, it says, sorry. With one of the friends, and the father of bride says, I thought you hated her. I thought you didn't like her. So here's my youngest daughter, the younger daughter, her younger sister, and marry her. So what's Samson do? He says, no, 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 I wanted her. He ties two foxes' tails together, lights them on fire. They... <laughs> <laughs> I know! <laughs> VeggieTales didn't cover this! <laughs> they run through a Philistine crop field, burn it to the ground, and they're pissed. Huh? It's worked. This is wild, right? So what is... <laughs> so what has Samson done? Remember, the woman that he wanted to marry was a Philistine. Yes? She was a Philistine. She was part of a community that was out of covenant with the Lord. And then he starts offing them one by one, killing them. All for this woman who, frankly, I don't even know where she ended up because she's not talked about again. And she's not named, which is super weird. Usually they're named. So he's up in arms, uh, or the Philistines are up in arms. They capture Samson. They tie him up and they say, hey, promise us you won't kill us. Uh, and that's what they're saying to him and over and over. Just promise us you won't kill us. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. I won't. And then the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him mightily. He breaks out of his ropes, picks up a donkey's jawbone, and kills a thousand people with it. And names the area the donkey's jawbone. Interesting? Very. So... As you might kind of connect the dots, the Philistines are starting to get more and more and more frustrated because this guy's just rampaging them, ruining their crop, killing them, all of it, trying to marry one of the daughters. You get it. And then we go to chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 1, Samson finds a prostitute and sleeps with her. Okay. <laughs> Abrupt. Yes. But this is obviously a mark of Samson. He was struggling with the way he saw women and wanted everyone. Yes? <clears throat> and was flexing his anointing. All right, how do I say this? He was flexing his power. Let me say it that way. He was flexing his power to be taken seriously by others so that he could get what he wanted. Yes? So he lays eyes on her, sleeps with her, and then he starts which is really weird. He throws like some pillars on his back and expands the territory. Read it. That's the best way I can describe it. He literally expands the city line, pushes the boundary. He expands his boundary, which, okay, that sounds good, Lex, because he's, he's overtaking the Philistine army. Well, it's actually, he's pushing his boundary. And there's something prophetic about what's about to happen next. Yes? Because, hey there, Delilah is episode four. Which is interesting because Delilah's named. <clears throat> yes? Delilah's named. His, his encaged wife wasn't. But Delilah is. And where she came from is also named. The Valley of Sorek is what it's called. S-O-R-E-K. The Valley of Unfruitfulness is where she come from, comes from. And you guys know this part of the story, right? Yes? 
the valley of unfruitfulness is where this lady comes from. And how many of you know that when we are about to dabble in something, it's very obvious that we're not supposed to touch it? It's almost like there's a big banner of it. This came from the Valley of Sorek. <laughs> the Valley of Unfruitfulness, right? There's almost, that like pops up. You're like, ah, it looks cool, looks interesting, but maybe not. There's a big banner. I almost, you get it? Like this imagery of it popping up, right? Hey there, Delilah comes upon. And it's interesting, the lady named Delilah is from the Valley of un uh, Unfruitfulness, and Delilah was obviously very, very pretty. How do I know that? Well, because names were very specific back then. Does anybody know what the name Delilah means? Delicate. Delicate. Good. Do anybody know what delicate means? <laughs> Nailed it. Dude, you got to get out of youth ministry. <laughs> delicate. Well, it means of intricate workmanship. Yeah? Intricate. Uh, of workmanship and quality. Obviously very pretty. Yes? Get how I connect with those dots? You with me still? Okay. So hey there, Delilah. Obviously a weak point for Samson. He had lady trouble to the extent, to the extent that he killed a thousand people. Yes? So this Delilah accepts a bribe of money and reports back to the, the Philistine army because the Philistine army approaches Delilah and says, hey, where's his strength come from? How can't, why can't we bind this dude up? Where's his strength come from? So Delilah goes on this secret mission, covert ops mission, and says, all right, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. I'll sleep with him however many times I need to so that I can get to the bottom of it. Yes? Okay. So she starts pressing him. He gives a, he gives a lie, and she ties him up that way, and he breaks out of it. It happens over and over and over. You know this part of the story, so I'm going to kind of fast forward through it. Until he finally, finally gets pressed to, to such an extent, almost that he trusts her to such an extent. He almost says, all right, that, that Nazarite vow was cool, but I'm going to now trust her with something. And starts making a new vow with her, a new trust with her. Yes? And he finally says, all right, it's in the hair. He's like, oh. I knew that hair was sexy. Why does she keep telling her? She tried twice. I know. I know. Yeah, three times. The first two, he lied to her. I know. People tried to kill him. I know, man. That, like that, that's pretty low IQ. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. That actually but makes like, no sense at all. I, I totally agree. Even and if like, Madison Beer was coming in, and I was like super strong. Who? You know what Madison Beer was? No. said Madison Beer. Nah. <laughs> but yeah, it, like anyone in the world could be like, uh, what's your greatest weakness? And then try and then I could lie to them as like a test, exploit it, and then they would try to kill me twice, do it two times. That that actually makes like no sense. She wasn't very smart. She didn't have school back then. she obviously she was smart. She's crafty, yeah. Yeah. She, yeah, she's clever. Yep. She's not smart. I don't I, I really don't understand why. Like, yeah, I believe I agree exactly, and you're like, you just read. It, there's an infatuation that took place. We can be tempted and pressed over and over and over in the same area. <laughs> yes, or what's your breaking point? What's your breaking point, right? What's the last thing that you were like, 
you know, we, we throw around this peer pressure thing all the time. Like, okay, hey, Zoe, do this, do this, do this. Oh, Zoe, why don't you ever do this? Well, you get it? It happens all the time, dude. Happens probably in your workplace. Well, maybe not for you guys. You guys, are, I'm just joking. But it might, right? Happens all the time in my workplace. I can't imagine Keelan's workplace. And, dude, your workplace, us trade people, you know? Like, it's a different environment out there. How many times are, okay, well, just cut that corner, dude. It's fine. Just, just, who cares? How many times does it take for you to just say, oh, shut up. I'll just do it. I think that's how Samson was feeling. Just stop pressing me. I trust you. Okay, cool. Here it is. It's my, it's my hair. But why would you trust her? Clearly her motive was I know. I know. I know, man. Maybe he was I'm just saying. But it says that he was very tired. Of just period. That's what it says. He was. He was tired. He just moved the city. <laughs> just killed a thousand people. He's probably pretty max. No, like cinematic. That would be if you could just like go back in time and stick a camera yeah like some jackie chan dude yeah, I don't think that's the no that, hulk's got nothing on him yeah. at the end of the day temptation doesn't have our best interest ever temptation doesn't just like delilah just like delilah didn't have samson's best interest it never has our best interest right it's always did he really say or just tell me right that's always the way temptation presents itself. It's always a compromise, yes? It's always a compromise of who you are set out to be. It's always a compromise of what the Lord has purposed and destined you for, right? What are, willing, what are we willing to break a vow over in order to gratify ourselves? That's the million-dollar question, right? What am I willing to break over? Samson's was a woman, and that's all it took, a persistent woman, <laughs> okay, a nagging woman. That's all it took for him to say, all right, it's in the hair. So then what happens? She cuts his hair off, or she actually brings in another person to cut his hair off, which is interesting. She didn't do it. She led him to the point, but then somebody else cut it, which is kind of an interesting thought. But anyway, cuts his hair, cuts his hair off. He tries to break out, you know, do all of his stuff. He's got no power. Got no strength, whatever. They capture him, gouge his eyes out, dude. Which probably was a good thing for Samson, so he wouldn't stop falling into this woman spiral, right? Nope, that didn't land. Dang it. I thought that was going to be good. But they gouge his eyes out, and he's got no hair. And he's just set up in the Philistine camp on display as we got him. Sitting there with no eyes. To such an extent that fast forward to the fourth episode of bringing down the house yeah he's there so long that he brings down the house how's he do it well he waits for his hair to grow out he says one last prayer to the lord grabs two pillars breaks them i don't know how he does it but the spirit of the lord was upon him breaks the pillars and the entire house crumbles and another thousands are killed along with him. And Samson's story is over. Which is really kind of abrupt, right? <laughs> like, okay, oh, all right, the story's over. So I guess 
what do we do? All right, I just gave you a, a pretty dope recap of the entire story of Samson. But what do we do with this? What are we willing to compromise in so that we will lose our anointing? And what will break the vow? And is the vow important enough to us that we care about it? Because what we have to understand is that our anointing, all right, let me say it this way. The vow that we take accompanies our anointing. Yes? If I don't have a healthy vow, I have no strength in the Lord and I've got no leg to stand on. Right when he broke his vow, right when he got his hair cut and voided his vow and didn't do all the right stuff that number six said, he immediately lost all of his strength. And it leads me to believe that Samson was not a big burly guy, the way he's portrayed. Because they would have known, like, oh, he's just strong. Obviously, that's where it, he's just strong. That's where his strength comes from. But I believe that he was probably just a normal-looking guy. And that's why it was so confusing to them that he could do all of these acts, that he could kill somebody, kill one person, frankly, with a donkey's jawbone, let alone a thousand, right? He was just a normal-looking guy. Probably just like me, like you, right? Just normal-looking people, maybe a little bit toned down from Benji, but you, you get it. Benji's strong, dude. Not that Benji. <laughs> You're strong in your own way. Strong-willed, you know. <laughs> just messing with you. <laughs> but do you get it? When we are in vow, when we are in covenant, when we are in relationship with the Lord, when there is a mutual trust partner, there is mighty, mighty things that he can do with us. The moment we break it, there's a lifting of hand. How fast do we get that hand back on by our repentance, by our saying, oh my gosh, I need you again. I guess that's our takeaway. How important is the vow? It doesn't have to be a Nazarite vow, but we are in covenant. We are. I know that sounds super religious, but we're in covenant. We're in relationship. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. We're in relationship with the king. We need to protect that. We need to honor it. We need to make sure that we're guarding it with all diligence, you know? All of that. Make sense? Yeah, but why, like, how was the Spirit of the Lord still on him so many times after all of, like, killing so many people and so many different, like, all of these things? Because it was all in the grand scheme. He was the beginning of the deliverance of the Phil from the Philistines. It was all in that, that regard. And God was pretty cool was killing people at that time. He was. I mean, I know it sounds... Well, yeah, he did flood the planet. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely selfish motives in it, but he, like, almost attached it, which is so baffling to me. He obviously attached it to what the Lord was already doing because he, the Lord was on board with freeing and delivering the um, Israelites. Just his methods were different back then. Cool. There you go. How important is the relationship to us? Should be very.